Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. On our 18th episode, we're going to talk about an initiative here in Arkansas that is focused on strengthening and preserving families whose lives are impacted by incarceration, dependency, or or other crises that could result in child welfare intervention. Now, in 2017, Arkansas had more than 5,000 kids in foster care, and the state has made considerable strides to reduce that number to about 4,400 in 2020. In that year alone, children ages 2 to 5 represented about a quarter of those in foster care. And we know that those are formative years in which children learn more quickly and experience rapid social, emotional, and physical development. Family disruption during this time and other adverse childhood experiences can result in trauma and have a tremendous impact on lifelong health and well-being. In 2020, neglect and substance abuse were the most prevalent reasons for children entering foster care. But about 1 in 10 were in foster care due to inadequate housing, 15% due to physical abuse, and 1 in 5 due to parental incarceration. While some kids either age out of foster care or are adopted, more than 40% leave foster care to reunify with their family. And that is why initiatives that focus on supporting parents as they recover from crisis and building resilience are so important. Because ideally, we'd like to get that 4,400 number down to zero. So to talk with us today about one of those initiatives is Dana Baker, who is the 100 Families Coordinator for White County, where she has also worked as the Alternative Sentencing Case Coordinator for eight district courts in the county through the Restore Hope organization. Now, she's also been a foster and an adoptive parent herself, and while in Franklin County, she helped start The Call, which is an organization that supports kids in foster care and recruits adoptive families. Thank you for joining me today, Dana, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Great, great. So before we get to the more serious stuff, which we're going to do, what keeps you busy when you're not working? All four of our kids scattered all over Arkansas. We have um, a married daughter that's here in Little Rock. She teaches school at Bryant, and her husband's in law school at Bowen. Okay. Um, Our second daughter lives in the Fort Smith area. Her husband's a nurse, and she teaches school at Van Buren. Okay. Our only son is at school at Williams Baptist University, and oh, he's getting Lawrence married County. in 13 yeah. days. Yeah, he'll be marrying his childhood sweetheart in just less than two weeks. <laughs> and then our um, youngest is Josie Kate, and she is almost 13. She was adopted out of foster care, okay. and she's the biggest fan of 100 families that I know of. That's great. So That's they keep us busy. They're all over Arkansas. All over. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so um, I asked this of all of our guests. What would you say is your theme song? This is hilarious because <laughs> our family has always said if there was a soundtrack for our life, <laughs> it would be the circus theme song, which is Entrance of the Gladiators. It's an old um, okay. composition, but we kind of hear that in our heads, the circus theme song going over and over.
Um, and it's been really interesting as the kids have grown up when their spouses come in and they just watch the chaos that is our life yeah. with people in and out of our home all the time and those kind of things. Um, it's just... The circus is normal. The circus, circus is, is normal. normal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. So, um, so give us the basics on uh, 100 Families. Tell us, just tell us what it's about. Super. So, um, basically, what 100 Families is is we send case managers where families are first seen in crisis, DCFS, um, crisis. Which is- uh, Department of Children and Family right. Services. For our, for our listeners. Yes. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, acronyms can trick yeah, us up. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, case managers that go to Arkansas Community Corrections, which is felony probation parole. We get referrals from crisis pregnancy centers, homeless shelters, schools. They walk in off the street, therapists, any family that's in crisis, we go to where they first are met in crisis. Okay. At that point, we do an, in, an intake assessment, which... Um, kind of assesses the family in 13 areas. Usually they're in crisis in three or four of those areas, sometimes all of those. We look at mental health, substance abuse, um, their physical health, their dental health, child care, employment, transportation, education, legal services, housing, 13 different areas that we assess them in. And then from there, the case manager begins to connect them to viable resources in White County or the county where we have 100 families um, and begin to connect them through a a case management system called Hope Arc. I kind of call it social work Facebook because it's (laughs) a running record of what the family is doing to stabilize. They may be... um, getting help with housing Mm -hmm. at the same time that they're attending parenting classes for DCFS. So it's a collaborative community effort to stabilize families in all of the areas they're they're in crisis. It's all hands on deck. It is. Come at it from all angles. Absolutely. And my job as the coordinator is to see where the the resource deserts are. Where are we not able to meet the family's needs in those 13 areas of crisis? Go look for those agencies and those organizations and those individuals that provide those services and get them connected to these yeah, families. Because yeah. there are some gaps across. Absolutely. Arkansas, so. so we know this is, it's clearly challenging, uh, but very rewarding mm-hmm. work, I'm sure. And I know you can't do it alone. So so tell me about some of the organizations that you partner with to make all of this happen. Absolutely. One of the first ones that we partnered with um, a little over a year and a half ago when I was still doing alternative sentencing was Unity Health and their health care system. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a mental health care agency there that's called Clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, they have gone above and beyond during the pandemic to make sure that our clients were met, um, their med- their mental health needs were met whether it was telehealth or trying to get them to come in, no matter what the restrictions were, they've always gone above and beyond to make sure that every client could get connected to mental health services. And they also provide us um, at the hospital with employment opportunities for our families. And that's been really beneficial for them to get their foot in the door, Mm -hmm. um, to get some employment under their belt, and to gain some skills that are going to make them more employable in the future. So Unity Health was really one of the first partnerships that we had. Um, One of our most unique partnerships is with Adult Ed through Arkansas State University. They have placed a GED teacher, Adult Ed teacher, Mm -hmm. in our resource center. And she's there to help um, students get testing for 
different programs that they're required to get testing for, to get the GED, to work on those GED components. Um, we've loved having her right there in our center. Students can just... So it's kind of all... Your resource center is kind of a brick and mortar. Everything's under one roof. Yes, sir. And That's we're great. continuing to try to build that out. Um, and that leads me to another community resource with our care. Our care is all across the state, but particularly in White County, they, they meet the physical health needs of our clients, they meet the mental health needs of our clients, and the substance abuse needs of our clients through MAP programs. But they also have insurance agents on board, and a lot of our clients are underinsured or not insured. And so they have put someone in our center on our busiest days, a liaison, that comes in, meets with that client, gets them set up with insurance, gets their first appointment, gets transportation if it's needed. And that's just been a really vital part to getting them connected to the myriad of resources that our care offers. Okay. So those are three of the partnerships um, that we have. And and this is something that you, I mean, it's replicated across different locations yes, in, so we in have, the state. So. Mm-hmm, 100 families is in four counties right okay. now. We want to roll out four more next okay. year. We're in Pulaski, Sebastian, Crawford, and White. Um, we all rolled out last year. And next year we're going to roll out into four more counties. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's relatively new, mm-hmm. but but tell me about some of the successes that that you've seen so far. Absolutely. Well, some of the successes that we've seen um, on the front end um, is we started to see families that were reunified fairly quickly. Um, if your child is taken into foster care in Arkansas, there's about a forty percent chance that they're going to be able to come home. So far in all four counties, the average is 70% will be reunified if they're working with a holistic case management um, program with us with 100 families. So we're pretty excited about those numbers, and um, they're higher in some counties than they are in others, but um, we're continuing to see it grow steadily with the hard work of the families. This may sound like a stupid question, Mm -hmm. and it might be. You say 100 families. Is that just kind Mm -hmm. of... How many you can serve, or do you want to serve more? Well, that's kind of a crazy story. So um, when we first launched in Fort Smith, that was where we first launched. Um, The Kind of the thought process is that they would help 100 families go from crisis to career. Um, Career is not first job. It's literally career, money in the bank. Um, You're not on any government assistance. So that was kind of the thought process is that the community would rally around, get 100 families from crisis to career. We've never let anybody go. So we don't know how long they'll stay around. But as long as they want to work with us and continue to move forward and make strides to continue to improve their lives, we're going to stick with them. So um, 100 families was a good place to start. But we (laughs) out, we've out. Outpace that. Sure. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, I, I know there are challenging situations that you that you face on a daily basis mm-hmm. with some of these families. So, what's what's been the most challenging one that you can tell us about? Well, it was really interesting when you did your introduction and you talked about the reasons that children are t- taken into foster care, and the biggest challenge that we're seeing statewide right now is with housing, mm-hmm. inadequate housing. Yeah. We have a partnership with the White River Housing Authority, and they offered us a set of vouchers where um, they would only be going to 100 families' clients. We would help them navigate that paperwork, help them navigate the home search portion of that. Um, we have 10 families that have vouchers in hand, and we are really struggling to find housing for all but two so of those. So a placement, like 
Absolutely. And we have families that have been saving money for months while they're living with their relative mm-hmm. or they're in a shelter and they still cannot find housing. They've got the cash in their pocket, still can't find housing. Um, some of it is family size. Some of it may be a criminal history. Some of it is they want to be in a community where their kids are already invested in school and doing well and thriving, and they don't want to leave that community, so they're not really looking outside of that area, understandably. But housing is absolutely our biggest need Mm -hmm. um, in White County. It's been the biggest challenge, and to be honest, it really took me by surprise. I thought there would be other obstacles that we'd have to overcome, but we have families right now that have done everything on their case plan, and they're waiting on housing. So a couple of months ago, I had some case managers and an intern that just hopped in a car and drove all over White County, knocked on um, office doors for apartment complexes and things like that, introduced themselves, tried to explain what we do, and tried to just get a little inside scoop on apartments or houses. And um, we got information, but there's still no openings. Yeah. And so it's been a real battle. Well, that's, you know, looking at some of the housing first initiatives mm-hmm. for individuals who are experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. and and knowing the, 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 the philosophy behind that type of program, yes, knowing that, you know, if you have something stable and a place to go, you can you can really make advances on your physical and mental Absolutely. health and career and other things. So getting that. Having that is kind of the last thing that you're able to help them with mm-hmm. is, man, that is, that's that's a struggle. It is. And when they, they come in the door and they have a list of things that they know they're in trouble about, um, they don't expect that that's going to be the biggest struggle right. either. Right. That's something that they know everyone has a home. Everyone has a place to put their things. Everyone has right. a place to cook their food. Um, and it's just not something that we can find for a lot of our families right now. So. So let's turn from that extremely challenging yeah. part to to what tell me something that has been the most rewarding that you've seen happen. And this is a shock too, just like the housing was yeah. a shock for the negative part. This has been such a joy for me to watch. Um every month we have alliance meetings. Um, and they're topical and they're open to the whole community. So we'll have a panel of experts come in that are local mm-hmm. and they talk about different Mostly the crisis areas that I talked to you right. about. Um, trauma, I've done trauma, then housing, substance abuse, education, employment. And we also did a panel about how bio families and foster families can interact. What's been the most rewarding thing is watching the community mind shift change. Hmm. They thought they knew about trauma. They thought they knew about foster care and bio families, birth families. And then hearing the stories of those that work in those areas every day and live in those crisis areas every day has really shifted the mindset of the community. They never thought about the foster families having a relationship with the birth family. Mm -hmm. They never thought about how trauma is affecting an adult. They only thought about how it affected a child. They never thought about how all the obstacles it takes to obtain employment if you don't have a driver's license, birth certificate, or social security card. So we just use those community alliance meetings every month to educate the public about those different areas. And the mindset shift has just been incredible. And it's been We've watched changes happen from one agency actually went in and took all their front desk people 
and said, hey, here's this population that's going to be walking through our door now. It's not a population that's ever walked in here before, and they're going to need to be um, handled a little differently. They may not have ever filled out a form to see a doctor. They may not know how to schedule an appointment online or how to call and cancel an appointment if they're busy. Just those kind of things that they've had to kind of shift how they do things. And the organizations have been so open to do that. It's just been really incredible for me to watch the whole community change how they've done things to draw in these families and to serve them better. That's great. I mean, it's it's amazing the, the mind shift that can mm-hmm. happen when you get out from behind a, mm-hmm. a, a keyboard and begin to personalize it and really dig deep and understand where people have come from and what, what they've gone through. And at those alliance meetings, when it's over, me and um, Paul Chapman, our executive director, we love to sit back and watch the networking in the room. Um, people that may have never spoken to each other before, they want to know more and more, and they're connecting outside of those meetings and then just changing the way that they do things so that our, all the obstacles and barriers are removed for this population. Yeah, yeah. so shift a, a little bit and talk about a mind shift. I'm going to shift on you. Okay. So you've had some experience as a foster mm-hmm. and adoptive parent yes. yourself and, and help start the call. For folks who might be interested, talk a little bit about what it takes to be a foster or an adoptive parent. Well, in Arkansas, we have lots of different avenues that you can go through with that. Obviously, the most common um way is through the Department of Children and Family Services, but we also have organizations that have sprung up over the last decade um, due to the number of children put into foster care. A lot of the um, faith-based programs Mm -hmm. have stepped up alongside DCFS with their blessing um, and started to take on some of the challenges of recruiting, training, and supporting foster families. So when you want to open your home to be foster or adoptive, you, if the process is generally the same in the beginning, lots of paperwork. Um, you initially have to make um, that first call, go sit into an introduction meeting, kind of get to know a little bit about what you're getting into. And then the process starts to vary based on which organizations you go with, but they're going to do background checks. You have to have a physical. Sure. You have to fill out lots of paperwork on everybody in your home. And then the next step is the training. It's called pride training. Mm-hmm. And they go through... Um, a series of different classes that teach you about trauma and children and your own um, upbringing and your own struggles and how do you respond to those and how would you parent a child with those. And so those trainings are very practical ways um, how to parent in those situations. And then once you're through with that, um, you have a home study. And the home study is people think it's studying your home and that is part of it, but they want to get to know your family How do you work together as a family? Are your kids on board with you being a foster or adoptive family? And then once the home study is completed and that's submitted and then it's all put together, then your home is open to be foster or adoptive or both. You can be a foster family or an adoptive family or a foster and adoptive family. Um, People really don't understand a lot about that, but to be an adoptive family, um, You typically don't foster first. You only have children placed in your home that are already available for adoption. Okay. So that's one thing people don't know a lot about. So heavy bit of documentation on the front end and Mm -hmm. and just a process, but not too tedious. It's not too tedious. It's long, and it should be. Absolutely. Stick with it. The process is long. It's hard. It's drawn out. But it really should be. 
Absolutely. I mean, they're really, it's a screening process and it's a learning screening process for DCFS and a learning process for the family. And so it really should be as long and tedious as it is um, because of the nature of what's going to happen when Absolutely. those kids are placed in your home. So no surprises on either end and you make a really a much better foster family. So you've, you've done this for a long time. Um, and if there were one thing that the state could do better in child welfare services, what, what would that be? Well, we love our friends at DCFS. They have the hardest jobs ever. You know, the turnover rate is huge right. there. It's it's absolutely exhausting work, mentally, physically draining um, work. But a couple of things, um, we know that foster care is necessary. We do think that it should be rare, um, rarer than it is, but it is necessary. Um, one thing that I am seeing again, the mind's set shift is to listen to the parent what does the parent need to be successful um take the time to listen to their story listen a little more ask a few more questions know what they really need to be successful and then set them up for success and um, that's definitely something that i think um if they if the, if the birth family feels and understands that DCFS is there to support them and to help them, that really does make the whole process a lot easier and more successful. One other thing is um, making visits a priority. During the pandemic, this is something a lot of people didn't think about, but when we were in the beginning, we were all afraid, and then maybe again now with the variant, but um, when a foster family has a child in their home and then they go to a visit with the birth family. You don't know that birth family's protocols, right. if they're vaccinated, if they're not, if they've been um, honest with DCFS to know that they've been exposed and then they might bring this illness into your home. Yeah. So it did cause some conflict during the pandemic. Um, there were visits that were done over FaceTime and those kind of things, and it had to be done. There was sure. no easy answer, just like any other thing. But I think outside of the pandemic, we have to make visits a priority. Um, reward parents when they are doing well. Longer visits, um, which is hard again. DCFS is short-staffed. Somebody has to monitor those visits. Yeah. Um, it's a no-win but I do wish that that was something that we would do better is visits um, in White County. We have a visit center with Sparrow's Promise um, that is just beautiful and it's set up to be um, a home environment. They can cook with their children. They can play with their children. Um, we've done some things with 100 Families, um, an agency there in White County called Make Do has made some little to-go kits of crafts that families can come to our center, pick mm -hmm. up, take to a visit, do a craft with the child, and then the child takes that home as a memory of the visit. So visits really are important in reconnecting and yeah. healing with those families. So I would say listening to the family and making visits a priority, but otherwise they're doing a really great yeah. job. Yeah. It's yeah. a hard job. It is a hard job. Um, so final question. Of what in your career are you most proud? I am the most proud. And I, we had this happen almost every day at our center when a family walks in and they're proud of themselves. When they have overcome something, whether it's um, getting that driver's license back, they've had to pay for years to get that license yeah. back. Um, they've gotten all their funds and fees taken care of. They've gotten a new job. They've moved up in their job. They have um, gotten, uh, we had a client yesterday that um, through the alternative sentencing program, she's gotten clean while she's with us. Her kids have gone home. She's got a really great job, moved out on her own, 
doing tremendous. When we reported that to the judge yesterday, he reduced her fines by $5,000 and he dismissed two of her charges. So when she walked in that door and she's carrying herself different, she knows now she can move on to a better home for her kids, a better job. Um, Just when they are proud of themselves, that makes us really proud. And we celebrate every little victory in the center. That's the best. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thanks for letting me be uh, here. Thanks for being on the show. It's it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, the views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode, and again, thanks for listening.